This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hi, I'm Norm Tabler with this month's vision of the lighter side of health law. Breach of warranty, baby. You've heard the term breach, baby. This concerns a breach of warranty, baby. Wendy Norman was inseminated with sperm that she acquired from Zytec Sperm Bank. When the resulting child developed impairments inherited from the donor, she sued Zytec. The trial court dismissed most of the claims, ruling that they were essentially wrongful life claims, which Georgia law does not recognize, and the Court of Appeals affirmed. But the Georgia Supreme Court said, hold on a minute, it's true that we can't allow a wrongful life claim, But that doesn't mean a sperm bank is immune from consumer protection claims. If Wendy is correct in alleging that the sperm bank lied about the donor and his background and withheld information she was entitled to, then she has a valid claim and can proceed to trial. Dismissal reversed. The case is Norman v. Zytec, Georgia Supreme Court. Ever been stung by a trout? Have you ever been stung by a trout? Impossible, you say. Well, maybe not impossible in California. A California appeals court has ruled that bumblebees are fish. Yes. Bumblebees are fish. An environmental group sued to have bumblebees declared a protected species under a section of the California Endangered Species Act that protects, quote, fish. Strangely, the trial court ruled that a bumblebee is not a fish. But now the appeals court has reversed, ruling that a bumblebee is, indeed, a fish under the act. Why? Well, because the definition of fish in the act includes, quote, vertebrates. And the definition of vertebrate does not include any requirement that it live in the water. So, if you get stung by a bumblebee in California, don't kill it, because remember, fish are protected. The decision is Almond Alliance versus Fish and Game Commission, California Court of Appeals. Giving Satan a bad name. The lawyers for the Satanic Temple in Boston are giving Satan a bad name. The Boston City Council opens each session with a prayer. Council members take turns choosing who delivers the prayer, but strange as it seems, they never pick the Satanic Temple. So the Satanic Temple sued in federal court. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, federal judge Angel Kelly says it's an important constitutional issue. That's why she was so annoyed with a publicity stunt by the temple's lawyers. It seems they decided to take the deposition of council member Michelle Wu, who was then the front runner in the mayor's race, and they insisted the deposition be on November 2, which just happens to be election day when Ms. Wu was pretty busy by the way she won. The council offered a list of 47 other people who had the relevant information, but no, said the temple, it had to be the front runner on election day. The judge granted the council an emergency protective order and quashed the deposition notice. As I said, they're giving Satan a bad name, right down there with lawyers. The case is Satanic Temple versus City of Boston, District, Massachusetts. One thing Hal cannot do. Remember Hal in the movie 2001 Space Odyssey? Hal was the ship's computer system and could talk. Hal began acting strangely, more and more taking control of the ship, and generally scaring the bejesus out of millions of moviegoers. Well, I know one thing Hal cannot do, at least for now. Hal can't be awarded a patent. I know because the other day, in oral argument, three federal circuit judges heaped scorn on the lawyer for the Artificial Inventor Project, who argued that an artificial intelligence system, AI for short, called DABIS, was the true inventor of the neural flame and fractal container. They harped on the fact that the Patent Act says that a, quote, individual can get a patent, and only a human being can be an individual. An AI system cannot be an individual, even if it has a human name like Hal, let alone a name like Dabas. In short, it looks like the application is going nowhere. 
Both Hal and Robbie the Robot were asked to comment on the case, but declined. The case is Thaler v. Vidal, Federal Circuit. Telling it like it is, Judge Jonathan Young, presiding over the huge opioid case in Tennessee, believes in telling it like it is, telling anyone and everyone just how he feels about companies that produce opioids as well as their lawyers. In a hearing on sanctions against one of the defendants for alleged discovery violations, Judge Young said he would declare the company in default and, he went on, if their former lawyers showed up at the hearing, they, quote, might be going to jail with or without their toothbrush. Then he gave Law 360 an interview in which he declared the company guilty of, quote, the worst case of document hiding I've ever seen. It was like a plot out of a John Grisham movie, except that it was even worse than what he could dream up. And then he took to Facebook to complain that the local media were not paying enough attention to his case. And lest anyone wonder about his motives, the Facebook page carried the subtle message, re-elect Judge Young. Well, for some reason, the company thought he might be prejudiced against it and filed a motion requesting that he recuse himself. He responded by ruling against the company on the discovery motion and entering a default judgment against the company. That's right, default, the death penalty. Only then did he turn to the recusal motion, denying it on the grounds that, golly, there's no reason to believe he's prejudiced. Well, the Tennessee Court of Appeals begged to differ, ruling that he should have recused himself and vacating his sanctions order, including the default judgment. Judge Young will be on the sidelines watching another judge preside over the case. The case is Clay County versus Purdue Pharma, Tennessee Court of Appeals. You'd be depressed, too. Poor Dr. Andrew Berkowitz. He's been sentenced to 20 years in prison, ordered to pay $4 million in restitution, fined $40,000, and ordered to forfeit $3.4 million, all because of his guilty plea to health care fraud and illegal drug distribution. What had Andy done? Well, he ran A-plus pain management, and no patient ever left A-plus without receiving what the doctor termed a goodie bag, chock full of prescription drugs. But just as there's no such thing as a free lunch, there's no such thing as a free prescription drug. Dr. Berkowitz was charging Medicaid, Medicare, and insurance companies for the contents of these goodie bags which the government thinks of as baddie bags. Andrew tried for two years to withdraw his guilty plea, claiming he had not been competent when he made it. Why? Because he had been all drugged up to fight depression. The judge denied the motion to withdraw the guilty plea, but probably agreed that Andrew had a right to be depressed. The case is U.S. versus Berkowitz, Eastern District, Pennsylvania. Sometimes there is harm in asking. Everyone says there's no harm in asking, but here's a case that disproves the maximum. Defendant Jason Owens appeared in D.C. federal court following arrest on felony charges in connection with the January 6 assault on the Capitol. He was granted pretrial release on conditions that included a prohibition on travel outside the U.S. On May 23 of this year, he filed a, quote, emergency motion for permission to travel to Mexico for a, quote, corporate meeting and work-related conference, noting that the event was just two weeks away and flights had already been booked. The court denied the motion. If that's all there was to it, you could say there had been no harm in asking, but that was not all there was to it. The court was so furious that it issued what may fairly be termed a shaming order. In elaborate and to Jason humiliating detail, the order documented the contrast between Jason's representations and the facts. Jason had known about the trip for over a month before filing his emergency motion. And the business meeting? Well, Jason's big pharma employer had declared him winner of the coveted President's Club recognition, entitling him and his wife to a five-night sun and fun getaway in Cabo San Lucas. The order included Jason's registration form, providing what the judge sarcastically called business-critical data, t-shirt size, men's large, shoe size, men's ten and a half, favorite color, blue, and my favorite, dietary requests, vegan but not too crazy strict. 
The judge ended by observing that Jason must have thought his travel restrictions were not too crazy strict. He was wrong. So you see, there can be harm in ask. Only in Texas. The big news in Loving County, Texas, is that a man has been arrested for illegal stock transfers. You're wondering, why is that big news? Well, three reasons. First, the man is a judge, and not just any judge. He's the only judge in the entire county. Second, the stock he transferred wasn't shares in a corporation. It was stock as in livestock, namely cattle. Third, the illegal transfer was theft from the rightful owner to himself. Yes, Judge Skeet Jones has been arrested for the crime of cattle rustling, only in Texas. Well, that's it for this month's edition. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next month with another edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.